Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Now, his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, this elder son heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But the older son answered his father, listen. For all these years, I have been working like a slave for you. And I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. I think showmanship might be a neglected spiritual gift. Talking like this may cost me whatever Quaker credentials I still possess. We are a quiet people. Our ancestors dressed in the colors of wet cement. We're not glitzy. We're not prone to fog machines, hoops and garters. When we drop some beets, it's probably just an accident in the kitchen. I know all this. We Quakers are suspicious of showmanship. We're suspicious of anything that directs our attention to what lies on the surface of things. I think we consider showmanship to be a form of trickery. Showmanship can create the illusion that something is more valuable than it really is. I think we tend to see showmanship as inherently fraudulent. But could there be honest showmanship? Can we be flamboyant with integrity? Yes. <laughs> 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 
I just used the F word. <laughs> I'm talking about flamboyance. I didn't want to say that word right out of the gate. I was afraid it might cause a riot. A simple, carbon-neutral Quaker riot. <laughs> but I'm talking about flamboyance. Maybe we need to be more flamboyant. If we're talking about a truth that is truly wondrous and amazing, is it okay to express ourselves in glorious technicolor? Can we express ourselves with bubble wands and animatonic dragons that breathe real fire? Is it possible that some truths are best expressed flamboyantly? Jesus told a parable about the prodigal son. The story ends with a giant party. As you probably remember, the wayward son made outrageous demands on his father, then squandered all his wealth. The young man's condition is so dismal that he finds himself coveting the slop that's being fed to the pigs. So he decides to return home, forfeiting all claims to being a son and ask his father humbly for a job. But while the young man is still just a dot on the horizon, he is seen and he is recognized. The father runs to him the old man comes running. The father embraces his son and kisses him. The young man, following his script, says, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the old man welcomes him flamboyantly. He calls quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The father does not act flamboyantly in order to deceive anyone. He doesn't run to his son in order to make an impression on the neighbors. He doesn't dress his son with sandals, jewelry, and the best robe because he's trying to market his son as something that he's not. The father is filled with such joy that it overflows into extravagance. Flamboyance is the honest expression of his heart. If we retold this parable in a modern setting, imagine all the flamboyant ways that the father might choose to express his joy. He could hire a skywriter to place a script of welcome and celebration in the clouds. Instead of killing the fatted calf, he could charter a jet to bring lobster from Maine or jambalaya from New Orleans. He might hire one artist to sculpt his son's face from a block of ice and another artist to sculpt him in butter. <laughs> Neither sculpture would last until dawn. Would it be a waste? Because I don't hear Jesus making any critical remarks about these flamboyant expressions of joy. Jesus doesn't say, 
do you really have to give him the best robe? He doesn't say, don't you think lentil stew is good enough for your feast? Yes, the father is criticized for his flamboyance, but it's not by Jesus. Criticism comes from the faithful older brother. After a day of working in the fields, the older brother comes home to the sound of music and dancing. When he discovers the reason, he is enraged. The older son tells his father, listen, for all these years, I have worked like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never even given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fatted calf for him. The older brother isn't offended by the flamboyancy of the celebration. He's offended by the guest of honor. Why does that guy get the royal treatment? Why does that guy get such extravagance? He doesn't deserve it. If you want to know who is categorically opposed to flamboyance, I direct your attention to Judas Iscariot. One day when Jesus went to the home of his dear friends, Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The cost of that perfume was extravagant. In those days, a worker was given one silver coin for a day's labor. That perfume was worth 300 of those coins. Not only was the perfume expensive, Mary unbinds her hair and uses this part of herself to wipe Jesus' feet. In the scale of grand gestures, I would say that skywriting is slightly less flamboyant than wiping someone's feet with your hair. <laughs> Judas interrupts this tender moment to demand, why are we spending so much money on foot perfume? <laughs> Let's sell that stuff and give the money to the poor. But Jesus says, leave her alone. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. It's pretty amazing to hear Jesus talk this way. We think of Jesus as a champion for the poor, and of course he is. But Jesus doesn't begrudge Mary her flamboyant gesture. Jesus does not think the poor are cheated because Mary has expressed something big in a very big way. It's hard for us to believe that there is enough. It's hard for us to really and truly believe there is enough. Our resources are limited. We only have so much. And so we imagine that flamboyance at the feet of Jesus means that there is less available for the poor. We imagine that flamboyance in honor of one brother means there is less available for the other brother. We imagine there is a limited pool of resources and we need to be careful about how we divvy them up. 
The father tells his firstborn son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Most of us are older brothers and we just don't believe it. We don't believe that the best robe, the ring, and the fatted calf really are ours for the taking. We don't believe that we can ask for a party. Every day we go back to work in the field and we don't believe that flamboyance is permitted to us. This dour devotion is a right poor gospel. If we are servants of something larger than ourselves, we can draw on resources that don't belong to us. Our services give us access to God's abundance. We don't have to give from the limited resources that we possess. We can participate in a kind of extravagance that is beyond us. Serving God doesn't mean everyone gets a charter jet, but it does mean that our story contains more abundance than we ourselves possess. Out of that abundance, we can be flamboyant. We can be extravagant in our love, in our devotion, in our gratitude. We can say something big in a really big way. If you are led to sing or paint or build soaring towers out of used car parts and plumbing fixtures, then express yourself with abandon. If the truth in your heart calls for wondrous expression, don't dim your creativity because you feel constrained by the spiritual life. The spiritual life has room for flamboyance. There's nothing deceitful about expressing something big in a big way. There's nothing selfish about overflowing with extravagance. You can choose bright colors without making anyone else's world that much darker. When it's time to glow, let yourself be radiant. What is the big truth that you have to tell? How can you draw on God's abundance to communicate that big truth in a big way?